the Medical School HQ podcast, session number 80. Don't get discouraged. Ask for help. And, you know, if you get rejected, find out what you did wrong and try to make it work and go back at it again. Hey, this is Z-Dog MD, rapper, physician, legendary turntable health revolutionary, and part-time gardener. And you're listening to the Medical School HQ podcast, hosted by the irredeemably awesome Ryan Gray. Hello and welcome back. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and I believe that competition amongst your pre-med and medical student peers is detrimental to becoming a great physician. In this podcast, we show you how collaboration, hard work, and honesty are critical to becoming a superior physician in today's healthcare environment. Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you doing? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to another session here at the Medical School HQ podcast. This is session 80. I remember when we released session 8 and I was ecstatic. And this is session 80. And that's all because of you. Because of you listening to our podcast each and every week, we have the encouragement and the the motivation to continue to release podcasts One thing that I would want you to do, if you have two seconds, not leave us a rating or review, but email us, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net, and let let me know, let Allison know, I'll share these emails with her, what you want to hear. Every week we try to bring you something, and and one of the reviews that we got this week, it was a three-star review. We've we've had a hundred... And 72, five, 170 five-star reviews, one three-star review and one two-star review. The three-star review came in this past week, and it said hit or miss. And it was by, I'm not even going to mention the name because it doesn't matter, but it, it was a, a very honest review, and I appreciated it, and it's true. Hit or miss. It talks about how some of the podcasts are good, but it varies depending on the stage that we're in, that you're in. And that's true. Here at the podcast, we try to give you information from soup to nuts, as they say. We, we try to cover the pre-med path. We try to be motivational and, and try to give some encouraging stories like the one you'll hear today. We try to give you some of the nuts and bolts from behind the scenes from admissions committee members and deans. We try to talk to physicians about what life is like on the other side. We talk about USMLE stuff and what medical school is like. So we we do try to cover everything. And maybe that's bad because it doesn't really fit for everybody. But in our minds, if there's something maybe that you don't want to hear, then we'll see you next week. And, and, And we're okay with that. And maybe we'll try to do a better job at the beginning of the episodes to let you know what we're going to be talking about because if it doesn't really pertain to you then we'll see it the at at next week and hopefully there will be something there for you. So let us know what you want to hear. If there's something that that you've been dying to hear about and we haven't covered it and you're just sitting and waiting and we cover all this other stuff that you wish you would hear let us know. And that's that's what I want you to do this week. Just let us know. You can email us, you can go to the show notes and let us know. The show notes this week will be 
As always, at the medicalschoolhq.net slash and then the session numbers. This week is 80, so medicalschoolhq.net slash 80. Before we get started in today's podcast, which I mentioned is a very motivational one, I want to remind you about freemcatgift.com, where you can download a brand new, completely free, 30-plus page report on the most important pieces of the MCAT. And by the way, there are discounts in there, some, some discount coupons and stuff for the MCAT and test prep companies. Take your knowledge of the MCAT to the next level by going to freemcatgift.com and downloading the free report today. One other thing I want to mention before we jump into today's interview is Pre-Med Life magazine. Their May and June edition, they come out every two months, so the May-June edition is out now. The print edition comes out in May, and then the, the June uh, uh, the digital edition comes out uh, r- roughly at the beginning of June. So the digital edition doesn't look like it's live yet on their website as I'm recording this June 2nd, but look for it soon if you go to premedlife.com and click on the magazine in the menu bar. Some of the features from this month's or this, uh, this issue, what every successful premed knows, cleaning up your social media profile, which is important. Those admissions committee members might be checking stuff out, although some say they don't look because there's just no time. And then another one, getting the most from your summer internship. I think that was a, a great article and things that something that everybody needs to know, things to do during summer. So check out Pre-Med Life magazine. As hopefully you know from last week's podcast, we are a now partner podcast with them. They're our partner magazine. So go to premedlife.com. So this week we talked to Danielle Ward. We're going to talk about things that if if you are doubting that you can get in, if you have tried once and failed, tried twice and failed, this episode is for you. If you're sitting there and thinking that your MCAT score is holding your back holding you back, this podcast is for you. Danielle Ward is starting medical school this fall. This is we're releasing this in June 2014. So she's starting this fall at the Georgia campus of Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. Danielle is going to talk about how it took her several attempts at applying to medical school spanning over 5 years to finally get an acceptance. Listen to her talk about her struggles, what she learned from them, and how you can learn from them as well. Danielle, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Let's start by telling us when you decided that medicine was right for you. Wow. Hey, well, I feel like I've always wanted to be a doctor. From the time I was little, I used to watch the ER shows. I've always told my mother, this is what I want to do. and. So I'll say the defining moment was when I started my freshman year of college. It was also the semester that Hurricane Katrina hit. And so our campus turned into an emergency triage center and they flew in all the people from New Orleans and I got to work with doctors and it was around the clock. And that's when I really knew that's what I wanted to do. Just being around people, helping them, comforting them in times of crisis 
that was when I knew I was on the right path and I kept with it. Where were you going to school at that time? Oh, Louisiana State University. Oh. LSU. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh. I mean, we might have to end the call now. I'm a gator, so. Oh. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you apologizing? I, we can't all be great. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. Let's uh, get back on topic here. So. Yes. <laughs> talk talk about what you were doing to to be able to get that experience of being around the doctors and and helping in that in that kind of environment. Were were you just volunteering at a hospital or or what were you doing to get that experience? You mean when I originally during the Hurricane Katrina? Yeah, dur- during the hurricane. How did you how oh, did you well, come I, to volunteer actually, and do that? It was freshman year. I had just moved in, so I was staying in a dorm on campus. I couldn't go anywhere. The city was shut down pretty much. And they sent out a call for volunteers. They're like, anything you could do, come help. You could help with patients flying in. You could help with donation sorting. Just, we need your help. So that's what I did. And classes were canceled. So it was just easier just to spend all my time and energy there. Maybe come back to the dorm and sleep for a little bit and go right back and do it. Interesting. And it also took my mind off of you know, the storm and what was going on on the news. Mm. That's great. No, that's a a great experience. And obviously it it had an effect on you. So you're a freshman, you get this experience, you go, all right, I, this is definitely what I want to do. How did you kind of take that experience and, and kind of move forward as an undergrad? Did you declare immediately I'm pre-med and I'm going to take all these classes? Well, coming into undergrad, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. I had specifically chosen LSU. I had mapped out my four years of classes. You know, I came in as a chemistry major, but ended up changing it to biochemistry along the way. But I always had my classes centered on the fact that I wanted to go to medical school. So in addition to that, I joined organizations that were centered around medicine or volunteering just to get myself out there do community service and show that I had the interest in becoming a physician. Okay. How is LSU with their pre-med advising office? Um, I mean, all pre-med advisors, they try to give the best information they can, but I've found in my experience that a lot of them tend to be discouraging. If you don't have the perfect 4.0, it's, well, you should choose another career option. And mm. so from my experiences, I avoid pre-med advisors <laughs> like the page. <laughs> yeah, and that was my experience and, and kind of why I do what I do with the podcast and the website and everything else is is I was told back in 99, 2000-ish, when I was in college at the great University of Florida, uh, <laughs> that that because I was a white male, there was no chance of me getting into medical school, so I shouldn't even bother applying. Oh, well, I've had that from the start. And then especially after having my child, you know, I dealt with a low GPA. Then there was a low MCAT scores. So it was always look for another path. Even when I started grad school, the pre-med advisors there were like, why don't you choose something else to get into? But this is what I want to do. 
So and I don't take no for an answer. <laughs> let's talk about some of those other challenges that you've had along the way. So you just mentioned you have a child. You had yes. um, her or him? It's a girl. A girl. You had her. Uh, I have a 10-week-old right now. So. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I, I'm very tired. So if I misspeak, that's I blame it on her. I understand completely. <laughs> um, so you had a girl during your undergrad years? Yes, I gave birth to my daughter the fall semester of sophomore year. Okay, so very early on. Yes. And you you just mentioned low GPA. How did, how did yeah. that affect your GPA? Um well, well actually I'll go back. Coming into LSU when I was in high school, originally my senior year of high school, I skipped it to go to the university. So, I did not know that taking undergrad classes as a high school senior always stay on your transcript it was also my senior year so I kind of had fun a little bit didn't take it as serious so I actually came into LSU with a set slightly lower GPA than what I wanted it to be interesting and then after I had my child well the semester I had her I was taking 19 hours everyone says when you have a kid you won't be able to study so in my mind, I was like, I'm going to take all the hard science classes I can right now. So when she's born, it will be fine. But being pregnant, about to give birth and trying to take hard science classes is not the smartest idea in the world. So my GPA took a really bad hit. Okay. And then also, you know, dealing with a child and their habits and taking care of them and going to class. It's not the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah, that that had to be a huge challenge for you. At, at any point during that time, did you feel like giving up or stop being pre-med and, and figure something else out? No, my biggest fear, most people back then would say, why don't you just take off? But my fear has always been, if I take off, I won't want to come back. I've seen so many people who say, oh, I'll just take off and come back. And they never come back to finish school. I know that's not in my nature to quit, but I just didn't want to give myself an option to have that. So, you know, after I had her, took a week off, got right back into school because that final was coming up and kept going. Wow. But yeah, but I did take off the following semester. I did have problems in my marriage. I was married at the time. And so I ended up, it was the final three weeks of school, I actually had to withdraw from the university due to marital issues. I had to leave. And so I went out of state and came back two months later for summer classes. So it was a lot going on. That is a ton going on. <laughs> and yet you kept pushing through. You were determined to become a physician and get into medical school. So let's talk about finishing up your undergrad uh, and and <laughs> studying for the MCAT and taking the MCAT, how did all of that go? Um, let's see. The first time I took the MCAT was in 2008. And when I registered for it, there weren't any available slots. And my parents have always lived five hours away, at least for me. So I registered for the exam in Tupelo, Mississippi, which was an hour away from where my mother was staying. I drove five hours there, dropped my daughter off, then drove up to take the MCAT, mm. exhausted. But um, studying for that, 
my daughter was still a toddler at the time. So with going to school, plus I worked two jobs all through undergrad and then taking care of her and studying. I think studying kind of went on the back burner with classes and a child and work. So I didn't do too well the first time. Too well. What'd you get? um, my well, my first score I believe was a twenty-one. It's a twenty-one. Okay. Yes. And uh, actually, and, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, actually, on all my MCATs, I just never was able to get that high score. I took the MCAT four times, and the highest score I've ever made was a twenty-two. So. <laughs> all right, and and we'll get into that. I, I definitely want to pick yes. your brain about about why that is, but okay. Looking back now, for your mm-hmm. first MCAT, uh, obviously working two jobs, going to school, being a mom, which is uh, obviously the ultimate job, and studying for the MCAT, w- looking back on it now, is there anything you could have changed or would have changed to ensure possibly a better score on the MCAT? Obviously, looking forward, we know that you never really did much better on the MCAT, but Right. What, what, and I would say, what could have changed back then? Um, maybe I had too much on my plate. Maybe I could have taken less hours. I never took less than 16 hours was the least I've ever taken in undergrad. So I could have took less hours and possibly put in more time for studying. But I mean, I really studied for it. So it's kind of, I look back and I'm like, I could could have done something differently. but there's not much at that point with everything I was juggling that I could have added in. And, and I couldn't afford a class, the $2,000 classes. And yeah. That was my that. next question was, did you take a course <laughs> or a class or anything? No, I just did. I bought the exam crackers complete set off of eBay, self-studied at home following their chart that they have listed. Mm-hmm. And that's how I did it the very first time. And what about I practice t- tests? Like any of the AAMC practice tests? Um, the first time I did the free practice test, I never paid for the extras, but the subsequent times I took the MCAT, I did go ahead and buy the AAMC practice test and the assessment for the most recent MCAT. I did that as well. Okay. And were you, oh, sorry. Were your practice test scores very different than what you got on the real test? Um, yes, it's. On my practice test, I've made, well, I mean, it's still the low end, depending on how you look at it, but I made 26s and 27s on the practice. And then on the real thing, I just had this consistent 21, 22. I think I made a 20 at one point. So it's interesting. Yeah. But I also feel like I also burned myself out. I know from my third attempt, I want to say, I studied nonstop. If I was not, working I was studying and when it came time to take the test I mean I just didn't want to think about it I got sick to think about it so I knew I just burnt myself out yeah and that's expected (laughs) yes (laughs) I took it once and never wanted to look at that test again so I I can I can see where you're coming from there you're lucky (laughs) all right so you didn't do hot on the MCAT your GPA was probably significantly lower than the average. Yes. <laughs> at at that point, 
kind of everything saying you're not ready for med school, you're not ready for med school, but you applied anyway. Right. The first time I applied, I don't know what I was thinking back then. I think I applied to three schools. I applied all osteopathic my first time. I had my extracurriculars. I couldn't remember half of them. I think I listed stuff from high school. It was just, I wasn't ready. And then especially with a toddler going in, I don't think I would have wanted to start back then. So, you know, I think I was just on the track to, you know, when I have a goal in my mind, I have to stick to it. So I was like, okay, I have to graduate by this year. I have to enter medical school by this year. I have to be finished with that. So I think that's where that stemmed from the rush of me applying and doing all that when I had so much going on. Okay. You had this, you had this kind of predetermined notion of, of everything kind of laid out in your mind and yes. you were <laughs> determined to, to keep to that, even though some of the facts were saying otherwise. Yes. And even when I first applied, had I had a good GPA and great M, a great MCAT score, I ended up failing a biochemistry class that was only offered once a year. So I ended up having to extend my graduation date into the fall and not the spring. So it would not have worked anyway. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to matriculate in time. Right. Interesting. Okay. So it kind of worked out anyway. So obviously I, I'm kind of a, a pseudo believer and everything happens for a reason. So you, I'm the same. you applied to the, the three schools you didn't get in, which in hindsight wouldn't have mattered because you failed the biochemistry class. Right. <laughs> what What did you learn through that application process that you took forward with you and, and, and prepared for the second application? Actually, just being able to go through the application process to know, you know, the sec, well, the secondaries, the primaries, the fees, what that involves that gave me the insight to where, okay, now I know what I need to improve on. Just listing extracurriculars and jobs and everything. It lets you know, okay, when you're looking at it all on paper, you can identify your weaknesses or you look at your personal statement and you're like, well, maybe there was something I left out. So there's always something to learn from that. Were you, and I just learned. Were you able to talk to any of the schools and, and find out from them what was hindering your application? I actually did not talk to any of those schools okay. at the time. Um, I went and talked to some of my state schools last year when I was applying here, and they let me know some things. But that was already after I was in grad school, so it was a different ballpark. Okay. So what what happened after you finally graduate from your undergrad, you had applied to medical school once you didn't get in what how did you figure out how to move forward from that okay well what happened was i ended up graduating in december so there was no way i could start really any program in january i knew i needed a job because i have a daughter so i saw a research position i knew i wanted to do i was already doing research in undergrad but when i graduated i couldn't fall under the grant anymore so i had to stop I knew I wanted to continue with research. I knew I wanted it to be something medically related. So I was looking through research positions. I saw the job where I'm currently at right now. 
I applied knowing it was a long shot, but you know, they ended up liking me and I got in. So I currently do research in parasitology and immunology, and that has really helped boost it. Plus, I'm at a school of veterinary medicine, which isn't humans, but you know, you're surrounded by some of the same things. Okay. So that was my start was just doing research. And I did that. For, well, I currently do that, but I started 2010 and then I reapplied to med school in 2011 after thinking, OK, I've done a year of research. I've boosted a little bit and let me see if I can try again. And then after that, I entered grad school in 2012 when I had another unsuccessful application cycle because I knew the only thing that was holding me back really was the GPA. And so I got in grad school while I was working and everything seemed to work out from there. So so walk me through your thinking as far as uh thinking in your mind the only thing holding you back was your GPA. Is that just Oh, well and a, and the MCAT, of course. Okay, yeah, okay, and the MCAT. <laughs> was that just a gut feeling that you had or was that coming from from other physicians, from advisors, where was that information coming from? I'm going to be honest. It w- Well, I mean, you look on, I, I visit forums like student doctor and all those, and they'll tell you, you need more extracurriculars or you need research or you need this. And if you look at my application, I've held jobs, I've had research, I've had, you know, officer positions in organizations, I've done community service. There's not much else I can do other than pull up my GPA and get a better MCAT score. Like I, I feel like I've literally done everything. And you have a baby. Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) That trumps, that trumps everything else. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And I do it all while raising a now seven year old. That's, that's amazing. (laughs) Okay. So, you're like, okay, I need my GPA up. I need my MCAT score right. up. I mean, I was volunteering in a hospital. I've done physician shadowing. Like when I say I've done everything, I cannot think of anything else that would make my application better. So it was really just a gut feeling and common sense, really. That <laughs> common <laughs> sense numbers. works a lot too. <laughs> how did how did you manage all of that? And and I've talked to uh, a medical student who, uh, several episodes ago, who has three children when she started medical school. How did you manage all the volunteering, all the shadowing, all the schoolwork with with a child? (laughs) What was that like? I can't imagine three. Um, Well, it's basically time management. You know, there were times when I would take off from the lab and go shadow or take off from work and go shadow. It's Either she was in daycare or she was in school. You, I schedule my time around that. With studying, she has a set bedtime every night at 8 o'clock. So I'll have time with her when we come home. And then when she goes to bed, I study till 1 in the morning. It's, you know, we have 24 hours in a day. You know, I might have some sleepless nights, but there's a way to do everything you need to do. So, you know, you just, you make it happen. When you don't have a choice you find a way to make it happen. And I, I think that could apply for anybody, really. Yeah. And I'm sure you weren't sitting around watching Game of Thrones all day long and all these other <laughs> no. ridiculous shows that are out there. 
I'm actually trying to like catch up on TV now that I have. <laughs> no, <free time>. don't <laughs> do it. <laughs> it's not worth it. Stay away from it. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about grad school. You got into grad school. What What did you study in in, in grad school? Um, I got my master's in biochemistry just because you know I got my bachelor's in biochemistry, but my grad school experience is different for most people and that I did mine entirely online through a program at University of St. Joseph in West Hartford, Connecticut, Connecticut. So with me, it wasn't, I didn't have to go to class. I could still come to work every day, do my research and then come home and study and do class time on my own time. And so I really liked that a lot. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> And so it took me a year and a half, but it was perfect timing. <laughs> okay. And and talk to me, you, you applied a third time to medical school, um, assuming your master's bumped up your GPA. Yes, it did. And, and the funny thing about my master's is that, um, sorry, I don't mean to change the no, subject, yeah. but for the program that I was entering into, I actually didn't have the minimum GPA required to get into grad school. And so, you know, I talked to the advisors there. They said, we'll put you on probation. You take two classes. You pay out of pocket. If you do well in those, we'll let you proceed. And I did. And then it took off from there. So, Good. you know, even going into grad school was a challenge. <laughs> but but I think that the ultimate story here is is that you figured out what you needed to do. And you made it happen. And I think a lot of people sit back and wait for things to happen to them. And you are the exact opposite. You went out and got your research job. You went out and got this master's uh, and got into this master's program without even meeting the minimum requirements to to take the master's or to, to right. be enrolled. And so I think I, I think that's a great story here is that is you went out and made things happen for you and didn't sit back and wait for it to happen to you. Right. Well, I'm a believer in a saying, closed mouths don't get fed. If you want something, you go out and get it. If someone tells you no, you find a way to get it anyways. I'm stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. <laughs> it tends to work out for me. It might take longer than what I expect, but I keep going for it. I Good. just, it's not in me to give up. Good. So let's talk about your th- third application into medical school. So you applied in 2008 and mm-hmm. then you applied in 2011? Yes. And in my third, it was my final time. <laughs> third and final. So so yes. talk talk about the third application. What what you think was the, the ultimate uh, change in, in why you got into medical school this time? Okay. Well, the funny thing is I applied broadly you know, thinking that was the magic answer. But it's funny because the school that I'm accepted to, Georgia PCOM, had actually was one of the first schools I ever applied to. And they had previously rejected me. Thought I had no chance, but I was like, I really like the school. I'm going to just apply anyways and see what happens. But um, for the third time, I had the research, the publications, been volunteering in the hospital. You know, I'm still staying active and doing everything I need. And then on top of it, I had my graduate GPA. And then I retook the MCAT, didn't do as well. I managed to bring my physics score up 
one point, which is what I was told by when I went to my state school advisor, I asked them, you know, what can I do? They were like, at least try to get the physics up to a seven. (laughs) So I managed to do that, but I still had lower scores. Sorry about the sound. That's all right. But yeah, I'd say uh, the magic has to just be the grad school GPA. And what was your grad school GPA? Um, a 3.7. That's five. pretty good. <laughs> Three, at that point, point zero five. <laughs> I'm not going to be cheated out of that <laughs> five one hundredths. That's, that's awesome. Yes. And obviously a huge leap above your undergrad GPA. Now, my question for you yes. and, and probably what a lot of listeners are thinking is, but it was an online school. Did you get any pushback from any of the medical schools about the um, fact that it was online? I- when I went to my state school, you know, I brought him the information from the school. I showed him the courses. He was like, wow, these are really hard courses. But he was like, we're not big on online classes. But I think it's, I don't know if it's a Southern thing where they're not really into online courses because up North and in other places they have it. But, you know, I have gotten slack about it. And then I show people, I'm like, do you want to see the work I'm doing? Do you want to see the exams? Do you want to see the proctor that's mailed to me that, you know, scans me and watches me while I take a test? You know, it's online classes are actually, I found they were harder to me than undergrad classes. And I think the problem in undergrad was that, you know, I didn't have that accountability. I didn't have to constantly be in class. No one knew if I was showing up Whereas with online classes, you have to have discussion boards every week. You're writing five-page essays minimum weekly. You're doing, you know, like formulas. And it's not as easy as people make it out to be. Do you think that helped with your GPA, the fact that it was a little uh, bit more structured? Um. Well, I'd say the fact that helped with my GPA was I knew this is my last shot. I have to do this. So I put in my everything into studying. I actually bought the textbooks, which in undergrad, I rarely ever bought a textbook. (laughs) (laughs) But grad school, I have all my textbooks. I would read it. I would email the professor if I had a problem. You know, we discuss it. So while I did like the structure, I'm already a structured person to where if I know I have something coming up, you know, I'm going to plan for it. I plan everything out in advance. So I wouldn't say the structure really helped, but I'd say the thing that helped most is me learning that I'm an independent learner. I don't learn from attending lectures. When I'm forced to look up answers and have a book in front of me, that's how I learn best. I can't just stay and stare at a PowerPoint and expect to absorb it and it comes. Yeah. And so that, my learning style is independent. And I that's, love- that's very important to know and something that hopefully you carry forward into medical school The is your learning style. And, and be aware that medical school, your learning style may need to change because it's going to be different material. It's going to be at a right. different pace. And so be flexible with that learning style. It's something that I, I think every listener needs to be aware of too is that everybody learns a little bit differently and as you progress through the ranks of undergrad and a graduate school or post back and then medical school, is that learning style may need to change. Right. And I've learned a lot about my learning style, but I am open to study groups and everything that will come with medical school. So tell me, 
what you felt when you got that acceptance letter? <laughs> it was But besides tears yeah. coming out of your eyes, I'm sure. You felt you felt the tears. Well, I mean, I felt tears just from getting an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, and that's good. So it was, it was your first interview as well, this yes, application it, cycle? It, it was so funny because it got to a point that every time my phone would ding, because I have a separate email that I use for applications, I would just automatically assume, assume it was a rejection. So I remember in the morning I got the interview, I heard it, I'm like, oh gosh, here's another one. And you know, it, I had just met with the pre-med committee in my grad school the week prior. We had a Skype interview and they said they would not write me a letter, you know, due to my undergraduate GPA. So, you know, and, and, then and, I, and that's one of the biggest. And I'm sorry, I'll, I'll interrupt you there. But I, I hate pre-med committees because of that. It, yes, it, it was, you know, we had the interview and we spoke for an hour, all for them to say, well, because of your undergrad GPA and it's like, I'm in grad school, I'm in your school, you see I'm doing well. Yeah. So it, it was interesting. Plus, so I had that meeting with them where they rejected writing a letter. And then I also had gotten my final MCAT score back the week prior. So I was just like, more bad news is coming. Let me hurry up and read this email. And I saw the interview and I was like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a great day, especially, I mean, the location of the school, it's in Georgia. I have family there, which would be great with my daughter. I was just ecstatic. And so when I got the acceptance, which I got um, an emailed acceptance three days after the interview, I was just blown. I think I ran around. I was at work. I ran around telling everyone (laughs) it was a good day. That's awesome. <laughs> and and obviously you you worked extremely hard to get to that point and and you deserve that ap- the the acceptance. Yes, and I'm prepared to work even harder. To- <laughs> yes. And and you will work harder. So I want to I want to go back and, and briefly just talk about your MCAT scores. And, okay. And why you think your MCAT scores never budged. Well, I would say from the most recent ones, not the one I took in 2008, I found that as a biochemistry major, when you're taking classes like intermediate organic chemistry and, you know, just the higher up science classes with the MCAT, it was easier for me to look at a question and overthink it to the level at which I was taught in advanced level where as you're just supposed to think the simplest, purest terms that you learn in an introductory course. So for me, I think a lot of it was I just overthink questions to the maximum. Um, there's also overstudying. I tend to burn myself out. I know I shouldn't, but that happens. And then, you know, I also did the practice test. Another problem I realized was I would do content review constantly. But when I started just doing pure practice problems, I found that my practice scores would go up a little bit. But I didn't discover that until my final MCAT just a few weeks prior. So I would say it's coupled with overthinking, not doing enough practice questions, and too much burnout would be my main reasons Yeah, for those, not doing so well. Those are, those are all probably... <laughs> key reasons for not doing well and and something that I'm glad that you talked about is 
being a big science major and all the science classes that you took and, and studying content and more content, the MCAT is not a test of content. And I think you realize that with your practice tests and go, wow, look at my scores are going up the more practice tests I'm doing. Because right. <laughs> the, the, the MCAT is a test on how well you can comprehend what they're asking and analyze the question and the answers. And yes. e- exactly what you said, having that base knowledge that the lowest level is key. And then the practice tests and understanding how they ask the questions and being able to comprehend and analyze uh, that's what makes a difference with the MCAT. Right, because when I would go over my practice test, I'd be like, well, how did I get that wrong? What was I thinking? But really, it was just overthinking it. Or I know I don't know if this will apply with the newer MCAT coming out, but a lot of times the answers were like right there in the passage for mm-hmm. some. And so I'd be like, well, what was I thinking? Or how did I miss that when it's right in front of my face? So just not paying attention to the full question, I would say, is another problem I had as well. I would just kind of glance, be like, oh, this is it. But if I would have really looked into the question and saw, okay, it's right there, I would have done a lot better. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) So, Danielle, what can you offer us if if I'm a pre-med student and I'm struggling with a low GPA, maybe I didn't get the MCAT score I wanted, what's what's your advice to kind of bust through all that and, and keep going on the, on the path? Well, my first is don't give up, don't get discouraged, but never be afraid to ask for help. You know, if you're struggling with a concept, find a professor, find someone who can help you with that. Also, a support system is key. That's something I didn't have going through undergrad that I have now that I realize it makes a world of difference when you have people you can talk to or who will come help with your child so you can relax or study. So I'd say don't get discouraged. Ask for help. And, you know, if you get rejected, find out what you did wrong and try to make it work and go back at it again. You know, it might not come when you want to, but it always comes. And everyone's talking about, oh, I'm too old to do this. But really, if you look at it, once you become a physician, you're going to practice for 20, 30 years anyway. So it doesn't matter if you start at 22 or 32 or whenever, you're still going to get those years in. So don't rush. Be patient. Don't get discouraged. I love it. <laughs> what What do you... Uh, hope your future holds as far as what kind of medicine maybe you see yourself practicing? I actually really love surgery. It could be because I've always shadowed surgeons. Um, I'm keeping my options open as the what type because I heard everyone changes their mind along the way, but I know that I really want to cut in a non-crazy sounding way. So. <laughs> that's that's the answer I give people. They're like, why do you want to go to to medical school? I said, I like to cut people. I just want to cut like even now at my research when we do surgery on animals sometimes I just I love it I'm like I can't wait to do it on humans so (laughs) I'm keeping my options open but I would love to go into surgery awesome well thank you Danielle for sharing your story for all of us to kind of learn a little bit more and and be motivated by your story to to help uh, others out there kind of continue on their path well thank you for having me Wow, what a great 
inspirational story. As I mentioned at the beginning, if, if you've been struggling in your mind about whether or not your MCAT score is good enough, if your GPA is good enough, what if you applied last year and didn't get in and now you're going to apply again and, and what do you do? Danielle's story is, is the perfect example of perseverance and the fact that if this is truly what you want to do, then you figure out what you need to do and you apply and you find out why you didn't get in and then you fix those mistakes and then you, you apply again. And that's what Danielle did. Took her five years applying three times, but come August, she can call herself a medical student. And that's amazing. So congratulations, Danielle. I do want to mention a couple five-star reviews that came in, and I greatly appreciate those reviews. I did mention the three-star review earlier, which was a good, honest review. But Sam... Uh, S-K-L-U-A-F, <laughs> these crazy names, says thank you. So great as a pre-med to have a resource like this. I feel much more confident about my path from listening. Thanks so much. And we also got a review from France. Grande resource, great resource. He actually wrote it in French and then uh, wrote an English version as well. Uh, that's awesome. So thank you. Matthew from uh, Matthew Wood from France for that review. If you have any comments about anything that we talked about or any questions about anything that we talked about in today's episode, go to the show notes, medicalschoolhq.net slash 80 and continue the conversation there. You can also say hello to us on Twitter. I am at medicalschoolhq. And uh, you can shoot us an email, like I had mentioned at the beginning. Let us know what kind of information you want to hear about, or if you have any general feedback for us, or anything for us. If you have a question, let us know. I am Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I hope you got a great, <laughs> a great, I hope you got a ton of great information out of this episode today. But more importantly, as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. 